Proverbs, the fourth chapter, beginning at verse number one. When you have it, shout amen. I read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, and the word of the Lord says this so. Hear ye, children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. This is the wise man Solomon. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. You want to underline that right there. Get understanding, forget it not. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Talking about wisdom. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. Ooh, God, have mercy. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. You got to catch her first. Let me leave that alone. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Talking about wisdom. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be stopped. Straightened, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. And the whole time it's talking about wisdom. And it's referring to wisdom as a she. Amen. It's funny because I looked up the word wisdom in the Greek, and in the Greek, the word wisdom is Sophia. Sophia. So I want to urge you, hallelujah, to chase after Sophia. Amen. It is the wisdom of God. I want to talk to you for a little while, well, not for a little while, for the next couple of weeks, under the subject, find wisdom. Find, I was going to call it Finding Wisdom, but I felt like that uh, title uh, didn't give it the emphasis uh, or the charge uh, that God is actually wanting his people to receive. And so I just want to charge you for the next couple of weeks and challenge you uh, by telling you that God is saying you need to find wisdom. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you. We worship you. And glorify your name. We ask you now, Lord God, to bless your word, to minister to your people in a mighty way, Father God. And for the next several weeks, Lord God, as you will have uh, us do, have your way. And take us to another place and progress us, Lord God, with everything that we learn in the next couple of weeks. And we thank you for it and give you the honor and the glory for it now. In Jesus' name and the church says... Amen. Amen. So very quickly, listen, the name of the series is going to be Find Wisdom. 
But each sermon is going to stand alone, and each one is going to have a topic of itself. And so today I just want to speak to you, uh, or today's sermon, uh, or teaching rather, because I don't think that I'm going to preach. I might not even shout much. Hallelujah. Uh, I want to focus on teaching. And uh, today's teaching is going to be, watch this, don't miss it. Uh, when we're talking about finding wisdom, listen, don't miss it. And you're going to catch it a little more as we move forward. Amen? I believe that every man has something in common. I believe that there is something that we all long for that transcends gender, uh, transcends culture, uh, transcends uh, ethnic background, uh, classification, hallelujah. And that something that we all long for and we all have in common is the desire to want to be happy. I ain't getting not one amen right there. And so before my, my, my super spiritual people who floated in today uh, start talking real quickly, amen, hallelujah, about how I, I, don't, I don't want happy. I just want the will of God. Just stop it. Just, just let me build. Amen. I'm going somewhere. We're going to get spiritual uh, in a moment, you know, because some of us, you know, some of us spiritual folk right away will be like, I, I don't want happiness. I was, I was created for God's pleasure, uh, not my own pleasure. I know what the Bible says. I understand. We're going to get spiritual. Stop. We're going to go there, but we got to build this thing. Amen. Today is an introduction to what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. Amen. All of us, if we were just honest for a minute have this innate desire to want to be happy. Amen, somebody. Now, we do not all agree on what it is that brings this kind of happiness. Amen? But the truth is that all of us long for it, and all of us desire it. And this longing or this desire is not necessarily a bad thing. As a matter of fact, I would dare say that it is God that put it in you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The longing to want to be happy. But at the same time, there is evil. And evil does exist. And evil's aim to obtain happiness is to do so, watch this, through ways that displease and dishonor God. But goodness, real goodness, I would dare say godliness, desires to obtain happiness through ways that please and honor God. Amen? So understand that as God's people, there will be times where we will be called upon to do what is right at the expense of our immediate feelings so that we can ultimately experience what I like to call eternal happiness. I said eternal happiness. God has established the world in such a way, watch this, that when you do good or you do right by faith, hallelujah, it will always lead you to greater happiness. God has set up the world in such a way when, watch this, you decide to glorify God. In glorifying God, you will become happier. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? In other words, what I'm trying to get at is I want to let you know that God made us to be eternally happy. Well, you better catch what I'm saying because I'm choosing my words very carefully. I didn't say temporarily happy. But God made us to be eternally happy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, and so that you don't misunderstand me, I'm not saying that you're only going to be happy when you get to heaven. That's not what I'm saying because I have eternity right now. Oh, God, have mercy. I said I have eternity right now. I'm not getting saved. I am saved. Therefore, hallelujah, I could be happy now. Are you in this place? Now, of course, that happiness does not mean that we are without discipline. That happiness does not mean that we are, watch this, without self-denial. I believe it was uh, Brother C.J. Shorter who, who used this verse last week. If any man would come after me, let him, what, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It goes on to say this, whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my name's sake and the gospel's, will save it. So it is clear that Jesus is teaching us, watch this, that self-denial is a mean for the saving of our lives. Saving, listen, listen, self-denial is a means for the saving of our lives. If I can interpret that scripture that I just read in my own words, I would challenge you, watch this, and tell you that you must stop seeking, watch this, your happiness in your way and start seeking your happiness in another way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In another way. Uh, this is what separates the Christian from the world. It's not, listen, it's not that we have forsaken the universal quest for happiness. No, we have not forsaken it. But watch this, that we now seek our happiness from another source. I said it's just that we now seek our happiness from another source and in another way. We have learned from Jesus, watch this, the Bible says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Catch this now. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the happiness that was coming down the road, he endured the pain of right now. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so I, I'm trying to teach somebody here that the joy that you seek may require, watch this, the joy that you seek that is coming down the road may require that you deal with the pain of today. And what it means that is that sometimes you may even have to suffer, watch this now, for the cause of Christ. Yeah, 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 yeah. You will suffer persecution if you desire to follow God and take up your cross. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? And we must never become self-pitying because the, the sufferings of this present time cannot compare to the glory which shall be revealed in us. This is what the Bible says, that the suffering of this present time cannot even compare, come close to the glory that shall be revealed in us. What that is saying is, watch this and you better catch it, is that God will restore your happiness 100-fold. I said, God will restore your happiness 100-fold. And I, again, I'm not just talking about the afterlife or the sweet by and by. Because if you ever read your Bible, you will find, hallelujah, on one occasion where Peter told Jesus after Jesus was pulling on Peter, uh, Peter got offended and said, man, we gave you everything. 
But you keep asking for stuff. We already gave you everything. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, let me submit something to you. You who always got something to say, Peter. If I was one of the disciples, I would have threw up my hand right away and said, Jesus, Peter does not speak for me. Because all he's going to do is get us in trouble. Amen. Always quick with the mouth. <laughs> so Jesus tells him, Peter, understand and know this. There is nothing that you will give up for me. There is nothing that you will give up for me. Whether it's money, whether it's family, whether whatever it is, that I will not repay you 104, watch this now, in this life and in the next eternal life. In other words, Jesus said, when you get to heaven, listen, heaven is the icing on the cape. I will owe no man nothing. Jesus said, I will repay you. Anything you lose, any pain, any suffering, anything that you go through for me, now I will repay later. Oh, God. Are you hearing me in here? If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Mm. So even your suffering is bringing about a greater happiness in God. Isn't that something? All things are working together for my good. Hallelujah. Isn't that something? I love the word of God. Hallelujah. Because I believe that it is divine, a divine prescription for how you can be healed of all your unhappiness. I sent the Bible, the Word of God, is a divine prescription on how you can be healed from all your unhappiness. Oh, God, help me in here. Hallelujah. Only problem is that some of, the medicine, some of the medicine the Bible prescribes is not always sweet. I said some of the medicine that the Bible prescribes is not always sweet. Amen? And it's amazing, especially us adult men. Y'all not going to say nothing in here, so I'm going to need the women to help me out. It's something that happens to us when us men start carrying some symptoms or we, all of a sudden something tries to come on us and we're not, we're not feeling so good. That all of a sudden we go from adult men to like a childlike state. Can the women in here help me out? Hallelujah. Those of you that are married. And, 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 and all of a sudden our, uh, our spouse wants to help us out and say something like, I'm going to go and get you some medicine. Amen. And, 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 you, and you turn around and say, honey, before you go, can you make sure you get the one that has the, the bubblegum flavor? <laughs> because even as adult men, we don't like the way medicine tastes. It don't taste sweet. Hallelujah. But the healing that it brings. Come on, somebody. It's, it's infinite, hallelujah, and can be eternal as a result. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Now, you're wondering why I started out talking, talking about wisdom, and all of a sudden I'm on a, on a tandem talking about happiness. I ain't lost. Amen. I'm trying to go somewhere. Hallelujah, Jesus. The point of my message tonight is the challenge to find wisdom. You should bend over backwards to be wiser tomorrow than you are today. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah. And let me just submit to you that formal education is only one stage in the process of becoming a wise person. I said formal education is only one stage in the process of becoming 
a wise person. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So much of life has been professionalized and institutionalized, watch this, uh, that we easily slip into the notion that it is the responsibility of some profession or some institution to impart wisdom unto us. The implication seems to be, watch this, that wisdom can only be obtained by something that you purchase in a tuition or class fees, rather than being a daily, lifelong process of growth. Amen, somebody. So what I want to what I, what I stress is I don't want to downplay formal education, get you <laughs> some formal uh, education, but what I do want to stress is that you should never become content with the wisdom that you have obtained through formal education. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. And we should not think that the only way to grow in our understanding is by taking some more courses. Are you with me? Because when Solomon in Proverbs 4 and 5 challenges us to get wisdom, he was not necessarily saying, go take some more courses. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That might be uh, part of God's plan for you at the stage of life that you're in, but it might not be the plan of God for another person in the stage of life that they are in. But the challenge is still for everybody. And so watch this. How do we get this wisdom? And what does this wisdom mean? And how shall we do it? And why is it so important? Solomon said it is the principal thing. What is the importance of getting wisdom? And I'm going to give it to you. And this is where I start to piece this thing together. Put my first point on the screen. On the screen if you have it there. Hallelujah. And I'll read it. Hallelujah. You will never walk in true happiness until you first obtain wisdom. You will never walk in true happiness until you first obtain wisdom. So then let's begin by answering the why. As to why it's so important, hallelujah. We've already seen and we've already determined together that all men in some way or another seek happiness. Amen. And we already determined that that is not necessarily a bad thing. But here is the reason why wisdom is so important. And I'm just going to let the word of God tell you. Is that all right? Proverbs 3 and 13. Proverbs 3 and 13. Hallelujah. If you can put that on the screen. And I'm going to let you guys know in the back early, hallelujah, that I'm going to be all in the book of Proverbs. So I'm, I'm going to ask you to try to get them up on the screen as fast as we can because that's the only book I'm going to be quoting scriptures. I'm going to be putting the scriptures up on the board. I might quote another scripture, but I won't have you turn to it. I'm only going to put the scriptures of Proverbs up on the screen. Proverbs 3 and 13 says, watch this. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom. This is why I named it find wisdom. Listen to what it's saying. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. What's the inference there? If you do not find wisdom, you will not be happy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're talking about true happiness and the Bible is very clear. It can only be experienced once you find wisdom. Somebody shout wisdom. Hallelujah. Let me give you another scriptures. Proverbs 24 and 13. Proverbs 24 and 13. I'm teaching tonight, so I'm going to give you more scripture. Proverbs 24 and 13. Good job, guys. 
My son, eat thou honey, because it is good. Anybody like honey in here? God thinks it's really good. My son, eat thou honey, because it is good. And the honeycomb, which is sweet to the taste. Next verse. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be unto thy soul, when thou hast, what? Found it. Oh, God, help me. Then there shall be a reward, and thy expectation shall not be cut off. Let me read it to you in, in another translation for clarity's sake. Watch this. My son, eat honey, for it is good, and the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to the taste. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future. If you find it, there will be a future. And your hope will not be cut off. Ooh, so why is wisdom so important? I'll tell you why. Because your future is dependent on it. I said your future is dependent on it. Your future is at stake. Hallelujah. The King James uses reward. Hallelujah. If you find it, there will be a reward. Uh, NIV says, hallelujah, that you will, Lord God, have mercy in here. Have a future. And that your expectation or your hope will never be cut off. But what is the inference then? If you don't find wisdom, your future is in jeopardy. And your expectation and your hope will be cut off. Look at somebody real quick and say, find wisdom. If you're blessed so far, shout glory. In other words, by means of wisdom, you can make your way into a hope-filled future. Anybody interested in that? A hope-filled future future in other words wisdom is the key to lasting happiness are you hearing me church let me give you another scripture real quickly proverbs 19 and 8 proverbs 19 and 8 hallelujah glory to god listen to what it says he that getteth wisdom loveth his own soul and he that keepeth understanding shall find Good, hallelujah. Another translation says, he who gets wisdom loves himself. If you, listen, if you are not getting wisdom, the inference is you are not loving yourself. Because anybody who really loves themselves is going to pour into themselves. Anybody who really cares about their life is going to be interested, hallelujah, about learning. My people are destroyed for a lack of. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you blessed in here? Now let me give you another one very quickly. Proverbs 8, verse number 32. And this one sums it up beautifully. Amen? And I like this one. This is one of my favorite because wisdom herself is speaking. Sophia is talking. Amen? I hope you've been listening. Sophia is talking. Amen? Watch this. Uh, now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children. Uh, for blessed are they that keepeth my ways. Uh, hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. In other words, do not miss it. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoso findeth me, findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. Oh, God. He who finds wisdom finds the favor of the Lord. Next verse. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul, and all that hate me love death. 
Oh, God, that's a whole mouthful right here. Another translation says that last part like this. For he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who misses me injures himself. He who misses me injures himself. So the challenge is don't miss it. Find wisdom and don't miss it. Another place in the Bible says that wisdom is a defense. Some of us are walking around injured because we have no defense. If you're being injured, hallelujah, watch this, listen to what it says, and those that hate me, those that don't want wisdom, love death. Ooh. So watch this, if we don't make it our aim to get wisdom, we will suffer injury and ultimately destruction. It's quiet. So the command, therefore, is to get wisdom, get insight. It is very important. As a matter of fact, according to Solomon, the most important thing. Oh, God. Proverbs 16 and 16 puts it like this, and I'll quote it for the sake of time. To get wisdom is better than gold. To get understanding is better than, is, is to be chosen rather than silver. It is a matter of life and death. The ultimate eternal happiness that all people long for will only be found by those who first find wisdom. Are you blessed in here? Hallelujah. That ultimate happiness, that true happiness that we're talking about, only wisdom can bring it. Amen? Do you have some? And let me submit to you that I'm talking about a particular wisdom. Because there are two kinds of wisdom. There is the wisdom of man, and then there is the wisdom of God. And I just want to be real clear on here that I'm talking about the wisdom of God that brings true happiness. Amen? Oh, because I want to also emphasize that not all happiness comes from true wisdom. There is a false happiness that's not eternal. It is temporary. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Proverbs 15 and 21 says this, folly is a joy to him who has no sense. Folly is a joy to him who has no sense. That's talking about the wisdom of man, but compared to the wisdom of God, it is nonsense. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah, Jesus. But how many of you know that in the world that we live in, our thirst for happiness is insatiable in this world? And when we don't seek the wisdom of God, we will take any substitute that we find out there in the world. Amen? For example, the terrorists may find their fulfillment in killing innocent people. Executives may find it in climbing the corporate ladder. Athletes may find it in breaking world records. Scholars in publishing books. Gamblers may find it in Las Vegas. Musicians in selling a million records. The sources where people, watch this, seek happiness apart from God are countless. There are plenty. But that happiness is not eternal. It is temporary and it does not bring true and lasting results. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it will leave you unsatisfied, frustrated, I wish I had some real people in here. Incomplete, 
knowing that there must be something more. Mm. So it becomes imperative. According to Solomon, the most important thing that we get wisdom. So I think we discussed the why. Let me talk to you a little bit about what. What is what is wisdom? Hallelujah. What is it? What are the characteristics of the person who has it? Amen. And here is what I believe is the foundational, most important characteristic. Amen. And you will find it. And some of you know it. That's why I'm not going to put it up on the screen. Amen. But let it be a reminder to the scholars in the room. Amen. Proverbs 9 and 10 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So put my second point up out there real quickly. Hallelujah. My second point today is this. The wisdom that leads to life and ultimate joy begins with knowing and fearing God. The wisdom that leads to life and ultimate joy begins with knowing and fearing God. It is a reverential fear. It is the fear of walking away from him. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It is this, this fear of walking away from him. It is the fear of seeking refuge and joy, come on somebody, and hope in anything or anyone apart from God. Mm. It means, watch this, keeping before our eyes the fearful prospect of what it would be like to live a life not trusting and depending on him to meet all of our needs. The fear of the Lord, therefore, is the beginning of wisdom. Not only in the sense that it is the first step in you living wisely, watch this, hallelujah, but also in the sense that all the other characteristics of wisdom flow from this one. In other words, the same way a river flows from a spring, the fear of the Lord is that spring upon which all other wisdom flows from. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The fear of the Lord is the first. It is the beginning of wisdom. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Watch this. Now I want to give you another one that I also believe is foundational. Watch this. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the spring, but this one is the foundation. Amen. Watch this. A wise person, put my third point up there. A wise person is characterized by humility. A wise person is characterized by Humility. Proverbs 11 and 2. If you guys could get it up on the screen. I'm going to read it, hallelujah, for the sake of time. But get it up there for the people. Proverbs 11 and 2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. But with the humble is wisdom. Listen to how the wise person is characterized by humility. The person that is proud does not fear the Lord. And will always have a haughty spirit and God don't like it. And because God don't like it, that person will never get to first base when it comes to wisdom. Oh God, have mercy in here. Hallelujah. But the person who fears the Lord is humble. Because he depends on God for everything and won't take credit for anything. I said he depends on God for everything and will not take credit for anything that God does. 
And even though God will share his glory with that person and do amazing things through that person, that person will always give God the credit because that person is humble. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. So humility is foundational for any man or woman who's going to walk in wisdom. Are you blessed, church? Another thing about humility that's powerful is that humility is teachable. I said humility is teachable. Humility is open to change. And humility is always looking to grow. But a proud person never likes to admit their error. Don't like to admit that they need change. And like to believe that they don't need to grow anymore. God can't use that person in a powerful way. Are you in this place, church? But the person who fears the Lord hmm, is humble. God, have mercy in here. Hallelujah. Humility, unlike pride, does not recoil when commanded to do something. I say humility, unlike pride, does not recoil when asked to do something. A humble individual won't mind correction. Because they want truth so they can move forward. But a proud person doesn't like to be corrected. Are you blessed in here? And this is essential for the advancement of wisdom. Listen to what Moses taught us, and for the sake of time, because that clock is moving faster than normal, I tell you. Deuteronomy chapter, five, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 say this, Behold, I have taught you statutes and ordinances, as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them, that you should do them. Keep them and do them. For that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people. Jesus put it another way in Matthew 7 and 24. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. Everyone who hears them and does them is likened unto a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And then, it, and then it talks about the foolish man because the foolish man builds his house on the sand. And when the storm comes, because let me help you in here, the storm is going to hit both houses. I don't care if you have a strong foundation or a weak foundation. The text says the storm is going to hit both houses. Both houses are going to hit, are going to get hit by the storm. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Only difference is, is the one who was wise. The ones who were wise and built upon the rock, which is Christ, will withstand the storm and will be standing after the storm. But not the unwise. So watch this, a good definition of godly wisdom. Here it is, very simple. Hearing and doing God's word. Good definition of godly wisdom. Hearing and doing. Hearing and doing. James taught us, do not be a hearer only. These two go hand in hand. You can't just hear. There are people who come to church 15 years and all they do is hear. And they still hear. And they, <laughs> all they do is hear. Are you hearing me? You can't just hear. You have to do. Real wisdom is in the application. You have to hear and do. Amen, somebody. But, but watch this. I need some real people now. Ha have you ever gone through something in your life that you could not find a direct word from God for? 
Now, I need some real people here because while I believe that there is a word of God for every possible situation, sometimes there is not a direct word for your human dilemma. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about that I find in the scripture because I got to put some substance under it, right? First Kings chapter 3 verses 16 through 28. I'm only going to quote the story because I don't have the time. That clock is lying on me. Watch this. It's a story about uh, King Solomon. Since we've been talking about Proverbs, Solomon wrote it. I might as well keep talking about Solomon. Watch this. Uh, two harlots, the Bible said, come to Solomon with a situation. And here's the situation. What had happened was one of them was sleeping. They both had babies around the same time. And one of them was sleeping, watch this, with her infant. And in the middle of the night, she rolled over on her infant and suffocated the baby. And the baby dies. And what does she do? Look at this woman. What she does is that she gets up. She goes to the other woman's bed who has her baby laying next to her. And she takes the dead baby and she swaps it with the baby that's alive. And she takes the live baby. The woman wakes up, wakes up in the morning and recognizes because the mama knows where the mama's at. I know my child. Uh, so the mama recognizes immediately that that was not her child. So they go to Solomon, the king, of course, with the issue. And, the, and so they both come to him, and they're both claiming the same thing. The live baby belongs to me. The dead one belongs to her. And the other one says, the live baby belongs to me, and the dead one belongs to her. So Solomon says, somebody bring me a sword. Bring me a sword. Look at the wisdom of this man. Bring me a sword. So they get him a sword, and he says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to slice the baby in half, and I'm going to give one half to you, and I'm going to give the other half to you. And he holds up his sword and the real mama. The real mama, and you'll know why she's the real mama. The real mama says, whoa, wait. Do not kill the child. Give the child to her. And so the real mama sacrifices the life of the child and says, give it to her. So the child could live. The other woman says, no, he'll neither be yours nor mine. Divide it. And when she says that, Solomon said, give the baby to the first woman, for the child is hers. <laughs> and then the Bible says that the people were astounded as the wisdom of, at the wisdom of Solomon because they declared that God was with him. Now, understand this about the text. There was no direct command from God. On how to deal with this particular situation. And there will be moments in your life where there won't be no direct word. Specifically, watch this, to your situation or what it is that you're going through. But as a result of knowing the word of God, you would have developed after a while what I like to call spiritual intuition. So that you can execute justice and judgment on any given situation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is a discernment that comes from the spirit of God and sometimes when there is no direct word from God you need the Holy Spirit hallelujah to give you discernment which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit or a gift of the Holy Spirit rather if you're blessed in here shout glory uh, hallelujah Jesus so watch this in summary very quickly hallelujah the challenge is to find wisdom and that is the practical knowledge of how to attain true and lasting happiness. Watch this. It begins with the fear of the Lord. Let's recap real fast. It begins with the fear of the Lord. And watch this. Consist in humbly hearing and doing God's will. God's will perceived both in the scripture 
and in unique circumstances where, where it requires discernment from the Spirit of God. Are you blessed in here? Hallelujah. So let me close and take my last seven minutes on talking about how do we get this wisdom. Amen. Because it would be messed up if all I did was tell you, get it, get it, get it. And then I don't tell you how to get it. Amen, somebody. So I want to get, and I got to do it quickly because I'm running out of time very fast. Watch this. I'm going to give you five, five things that are going to help you obtain wisdom. Okay? And they're very practical. Again, this is an introduction. We're going to get deep in the next couple of weeks. But this is foundational. Amen, somebody. So watch this. Number one, you have to desire it. You have to desire it. Put Proverbs 4 and 8 up on the screen really quickly. Proverbs 4 and 8. Hallelujah. Talking about wisdom. Exalt her and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou does embrace her. Another translation says, prize her highly. And she will exalt you. She will honor you for your embrace. Now watch this. To prize something and to embrace someone, watch this, are two signs of intense desire and love. Because you're not just embracing anything. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You embrace that which you love. In other words, wisdom must be valuable to us. We must be willing to let everything go, sell everything in order for us to buy it or obtain it. Proverbs 2 and 4 says, seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure. You have to desire it. You have to be looking for it. You have to be searching for it. If you're going to find it, you have to search for it. You have to hunt for it. You have to seize it. You have to capture it. You have to embrace it. You got to desire it. Hallelujah. God help me in here. For any of you who are married, hallelujah, you remember how you pursued your spouse? Man, you remember how you pursued your wife? That's how you pursue Sophia. You go after her. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, God help me in here. And just to, get, just, just to be clear here, uh, the Greek word Sophia does not mean a lady's name. It means understanding concepts. So when the Greek word, when we hear the Greek word Sophia, it means understanding concepts. The Greeks were real big on understanding concepts, but they were somewhat superstitious. So I'm not, I'm not crazy about the Greeks' definition of uh, wisdom as much as I like the Hebrew. The Hebrew is a word I can't even pronounce. It's like chukama, chukama. So, so when I talk about the men pursuing her, I'm going to use Sophia. When I'm referring to the woman pursuing wisdom, I might say Chuck. That all right? Hallelujah. So, so, so you don't feel left out. Glory to God. Amen, somebody. But watch this. I like Chuck, Chuck Ma, because it means the skill for living. According to the, and I like that one, it's more specific. The Hebrew word for, for wisdom is the skill for living. And Solomon said you need to get the skill for living. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Because it will promote you. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. So desire it, number one. You got to go after it. You got to want it. You got to want it really bad. 
Are you hearing me, church? Number two, meditate on God's word for it. God, help me in here. Meditate on God's word for it. Because since wisdom is found in the word of God, we must apply ourselves to study the word of God. Amen? And I'm not just talking about reading it. I'm talking about reading it and then rereading it and then meditating on it. If the psalmist were here, he would tell you, you need to meditate on that word both day and night. And if you could ever get to the place where you meditate on God's word both day and night, you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water who will bear fruit in his season, whose leaf shall not wither, but whatever he doeth shall prosper. That is the result of meditating on God's word. Well, Pastor, I don't know how to meditate. Yes, you do. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Because worry is meditating on the wrong things. When you are worrying, you are meditating on the wrong thoughts. And the challenge is meditate on the right thoughts. They're found in the word of God. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah, Jesus. Listen to what Psalm 19.7 says. Hallelujah. And I'll just quote it for the sake of time. Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Oh, God. My word will bring you back to life. Reviving the soul. I wish I had somebody in here that could testify. I wasn't doing good at some point in my life, and I kind of veered away, and I kind of was led astray. Hallelujah. But then I got a word, and the word brought me back to life. It revived my soul. you got to meditate on God's word so that your soul can be alive. Listen to what it says. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. Oh, God, help me in here. Making wise the simple. Mm. One thing I, I love about God is that he don't charge for wisdom. If you ever read James, he, he puts it so simple for us. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Who gives it freely and doesn't hold it back. Oh, God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Mm. So watch this. You got to study, guys. And you got to read. I got one minute. Somebody shout amen. Watch this. Listen, not just to Bible study, but even regular book readings of theology uh, written by students who have been studying the Word of God for 2,000 years plus. Those kind of books are going to bless your soul. Now, I know what you're thinking right now. I do. Pastor, I ain't got all that time. I ain't got time to be reading books on, on theology, but can I help you? I came across an article that really blessed me, and so I, I took some of what it said so that I could read it to you today, and I hope that it changes your perspective. Because some of us are just like, you know, I don't read like that. You know, I'm not that kind of reader. And, and you know, I, I just don't see myself reading a lot and that kind of stuff. I'm going to help you real quick. Watch this now. Watch this. Uh, this is for the person who says, I don't got time to be reading books like that. But watch this. Suppose you read 250 words a minute. And that's considered average. Watch this now. 250 words a minute. And that you resolve to devote just 15 minutes a day to serious theological reading to deepen your grasp of biblical truth. 
in one year, 365 days, you would read, watch this, for 5,475 minutes. Multiply that by 250 words per minute, and you get 1,368,750 words per year. Now, most books have between 300 and 400 words per page. So if we take 350 words per page and divide that into 1,368,750 words per year, we get 3,910 pages per year. This means that at 250 words a minute, 15 minutes a day, you could read 20 average size books a year. 20. How many books have you read this year? It's November now. To increase your spiritual growth. Because if you only took 15 minutes a day, 15 minutes right before supper to read, you will be a different individual. You will have been stretched. Your mind would have been challenged and expanded. Hallelujah. And you would have grown in astronomical ways in your relationship with God. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? I hope that changes your perspective. All you got to do is read for a little while every day and it can change your life. Let me give you some suggestions on things to read. Amen. Listen, some of the old stuff is fantastic. Uh, some of the stuff from our old reformers, people like jo Jonathan Edwards. Uh, listen, third century, fourth century writers like St. Augustine. These people who wrote stuff like, watch this, John Edwards wrote the book or the big book they call it Original Sin. Uh, there are some classics like St. Augustine's Confessions or City of God. John Calvin's Institutes. Martin Luther's commentary on Galatians is amazing. Or Bondage of the Will. John Bunyan's Pil Pilgrim's Progress. You should have heard of that one. That's a real good one too. Pilgrim's Progress. And Jonathan Edwards' Religious Affections. And, and the list goes on, hallelujah. But if you read this kind of literature 15 minutes a day, it will bless you in many ways. And people may say about you one day what Proverbs 18.4 says. The words of his mouth are as deep waters. And the fountain of wisdom is a gushing spring. Are you blessed in here, church? Number three, I got to close, is pray for it. <laughs> Concerning wisdom, pray for it. Can I just submit some to you that should help you? Talking about Solomon, Solomon was not born wise. I said Solomon was not born wise. Solomon got wise when he prayed for wisdom. When the angel of the Lord came to visit him and, and told, could you imagine this? The angel of God came to Solomon and said, God said, ask me for something. What would you ask for if the angel of the Lord came in your window? Woke you up and said, ask, God said, ask him for anything. Ask him for something right now. And you know what Solomon said? Solomon said, give me wisdom. So that I can discern between right and wrong. So that I can lead these great people effectively. And God said, because you didn't ask for long life. And because you didn't ask for riches. Not only am I going to give you what you asked for. I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for. Which is long life. And riches. Oh my God. So in other words, when you ask for the right thing, you get everything. Somebody shout wisdom. 
You don't need to ask God for money. You need to ask God for wisdom. If I got wisdom, I'll make money. I got to close. Hallelujah. Number four. Number four. I got I to gotta close. I wish I could talk about this one for a while, but I can't. Listen, because this was going to mess you up. Put number four up there real quickly. Ponder on your death. Ponder on your death in order to get wisdom. Ooh. Psalm 90 and 12. You could put it up there. I'm just going to read it for the sake of time. So teach us, Lord, to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Oh, God, teach me to number my day. Make me frequently aware that the end is near so that I can stop fooling around and making bad decisions in my life and obtain the wisdom I need for the little bit of time I have to get your will accomplished. Oh, God, have mercy in here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I need to ponder that this life, hallelujah, on earth is very short and that the life after is very long, hallelujah. But it's amazing to me how we give so much attention to this short life on earth, which the Bible says is but a vapor. It's here, then it's gone. But the life after death is, watch this, ages upon ages upon ages upon ages upon ages. Life with no end, hallelujah. And we don't pay a lot of attention to that. Teach me to ponder my days, to ponder my own death, to keep it close in my thinking, to remind me constantly that I'm running out of time. Can I, you're running out of time. Oh, God. And finally, and I close with this, hallelujah. You can't have this wisdom until you come to Jesus. I said, you can't, can't, Lord God, have mercy in here. Listen, we talked about Solomon all this time. But if you read Matthew 12 and 42, it says, a greater one than Solomon is now here. And his name is Jesus. Because Solomon talked about the wisdom of God. But Jesus is the wisdom of God. Ah, oh, God, he is the word made flesh. He is the wisdom of of God. Others spoke about the truth, but Jesus is the truth. Others pointed to a way, but Jesus is the way. And others said there has to be life, but Jesus is that life. Hallelujah. Others talked about promises, but all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. Oh, are you blessed in here? Hallelujah. The Bible lets us know, hallelujah, that in him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So the challenge of Solomon is get wisdom. Find wisdom. Come to Jesus in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Can we give God a praise offering on tonight?